You know, some people enjoy composing their own music, chord by chord, and others are happiest when they come across that one perfect song. Work is not a lot different than that. Whether you prefer building your own workflow or using a pre-made template, with Monday.com, you and the team can work in a way that's comfortable for everyone. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com and build your own amazing workflow or find an awesome template. No judgment. He was an Eagle Scout. He met the President of the United States. Our guest today was on his way to becoming an outstanding cop. That is, until he was faced with an impossible question. Was he black or blue? I'm Chris Kotick, and this is Chasing Evil. Today we are breaking new ground on this podcast, Corrupt Cops, and of course, one good one. This is also an unusual episode, as no one wanted to do it. We couldn't get others because it's still too fresh. Friendships were lost, people were split along racial barriers, which we'll get into, and some of the people involved are still on the police force. In fact, about five minutes before recording this episode, the one other member of that police force that was going to do this podcast just pulled out. By the end of this episode, you'll see why. We have only one guest today. We're not using names and we're not using locations. It's just still too fresh. And this happened back in 2012. Yes. First of all, thank you for telling your story. You didn't want to do it initially. I bugged the crap out of you. You did. You did. (laughs) And you finally acquiesced because you realized, look, it's important. And I... You know, related it to the movie Serpico as somebody who was in an organization in which some crooked cops thrived. Right. So why did you finally decide to tell your story? There are good cops out there, good police out there, and there's nothing worse than a bad cop. Good cops dislike or hates bad cops more than anybody does. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, so. All right, let's talk about growing up as an African-American kid yeah. in your area. What kind of upbringing did you have? Yeah, so I, I grew up in, in the uh, housing projects, if you will. Uh, it was my mother and, and my brothers. Basically, uh, you know, where I grew up, there were, uh, I'll give you a few stories. There were times where, you know, we would be sleep at night and wake up to, to gun gunfire and we go outside the next morning and my, my mother's vehicle would be uh, all shot up from, from the gang robberies uh, the night before. Uh, there was time where you would be sleeping in bed and, and, and gunfire would go through the, the window because the thugs would be uh, shooting at each other and obviously missing or, or shooting towards our home. And, and thank goodness we were, were not sitting at that couch or laying in the bed at that particular time or one of us would have been seriously hurt. Um, so, uh, you know, we grew up poor, you know, coming home sometimes right. the, the lights would be off, uh, you know, the utility company would have, uh, you know, it was a struggle. Uh, mm-hmm. I, grew, I grew up poor and uh, lived in an area where crime uh, was, was very prominent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what was the view toward law enforcement? 
Oh, you didn't talk to them. You you didn't you didn't associate with them. You you know, it, cop uh, law enforcement were hated. Uh, uh, it was a it was a community full of crime, and uh, and and cops were not liked at all. Why didn't you succumb to the pressure of joining the gangs? So I was uh, involved in a lot of extracurricular activities that my mom signed me up for that uh-huh. helped me not get involved in in those type of activities. Right, and she was determined to keep you out. So what did she right. what she put you into? So I got involved with the uh, Big Brothers Big Sisters of of America, and basically what that program is, it gives you a mentor, somewhat of a father figure, and or like a big brother who comes in and mentors you and spend time with you, you know, once, twice, even more, three times a week. You de- develop a relationship with that person, and this will play in later because this was a mentor you had a very good relationship, and you grew to trust. And go to for advice, right? Absolutely, I agree with you wholeheartedly. So what what ends up happening is, uh, I was a member of his wedding. He was a member of, of my wedding. Uh, his kids call me uncle. My kids call him uncle. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have blood couldn't make us any closer. We we are definitely siblings. That's really nice to hear. And then there was a another organization that your mom put you into. Yeah, yeah. So I was involved in Boy Scouts of America. Um, I got involved with Boy Scouts. I uh, made the rank of Eagle Scout, got involved. Uh, in now, wait a second. You say that very nonchalantly, like, oh, I just happen <laughs> to be an Eagle Scout. Like, eh, it just, yeah. it just, I yeah. fell into it. I just happened to it. You need like a hundred thousand badges and there are yes. very few people that attain Eagle Scout. So A, congratulations. A, B, what were the two hardest badges that you had to come by? Um, I would say the two hardest badges uh, would have to be, um, I would say wilderness survival okay it's pretty tough because you're literally sleeping in the woods for a, a couple of days and, and you grew up in the city happen. right that's right that's right a boy from the city uh in the in the sticks and woods um and then the other one i would have to say um i would give it to the, the swimming part because i had to learn that literally from from, um, from the ground up i never really swam before and so uh Right, right. And how many kids from the inner city were attaining Eagle Scout? None. So in my uh, troop's 18-year history at the time, I was the first one to ever uh, become an Eagle Scout out of that Boy Scout troop. Only only 4% of, of, of Scouts make Eagle once they enroll into the program. So okay. it was a significant accomplishment. So your mother knew what she was doing by getting you into the Boy Scouts. Obviously, you attained Eagle Scout. Not an easy thing to do. And where did that lead you? So, yeah. So my uh, Eagle Scout project was um, what I did was I raised money and I was able to help 15 people uh, get their GEDs. That was looked at as me saving 15 lives practically because, mm-hmm. I mean, I was literally picking them up and taking them and and, and helping them uh, with their with their studies or finding the resources to help them for their for their studies. So the White House caught wind of it. It was when President Barack Obama was in office. I get a call one day, say, hey, the president wants to meet you. And I thought uh, I was as, thinking, you, as you do. Sure. Yeah, yeah. I was like, this is this, you know, this was as a time where prank calling was like a thing. Right. <laughs> so uh, so I, I thought it was a prank call. Maybe my brother, maybe one of my friends prank calling me. And so I hang up on the lady uh-huh, and sure. she calls me back and she says, no, I'm serious. The president <laughs> wants to wants to meet you. So I'm like, uh, OK, so she said so literally they sent a press release out. She goes check the news 
and then call me back. So sure enough, at the same time, my mom runs into the room. There's people like calling her because they saw the morning news. They saw the newspaper and, and they're like, hey, your son is going to meet the president of the United States. So what the press release say? Local scout to meet President Barack Obama. It was uh, it was truly, uh, truly an honor. So you show uh, up at his house. <laughs> yes, that's right. So I, I land, I get there, and two agents, they, they, say, they basically say, hey, g- give me your bags. And I'm like, no, no, I got it. And they go, oh, no, no, it's our job. Like, give us your bags. I give them my bags. And I still don't know where those bags went to this day. Um, I got them <laughs> back as I um, – they would never tell me which day I was going to meet the president. Uh, but the, the morning of, um, they said, hey, today's the day. You're going to meet the president, uh, the people who are organizing it, the, right. the scouts and things of that nature. So I said, okay. And so um, so I walk into the Oval Office. The president's looking at me, and I'm looking at him. And he's looking at me, and I'm looking at him. And he, he looks at me, and he goes, what's up, man? And I go, what's up, Mr. President? I tell people all the time, you know, I don't care if you're Democrat. I don't care if you're Republican, you're conservative, you're liberal. It was truly an honor to be in the Oval Office of the commander uh-huh. of this country. So we talked. What did he, he ask me, you? He just he told me he was proud of me and that one day I could be sitting at his seat and he heard about the great things that I was doing in my community and to keep up the good work. That's and fantastic. Yeah, it was awesome. It was it, it was it was awesome. Um, right. I spent about 20 minutes with him, 15, 20 minutes. Apparently, mm-hmm. that's a lot of time for the president. I didn't yeah. realize. Okay. And so um, I'm leaving the Oval Office, and uh, I see this lady walking towards me. And she has this guy with her. And I looked at the guy that who's now the Secret Service agent that was kind of escorting me through. And I said, that's Michelle Obama. And he goes, he looked at me, he goes, duh. <laughs> And, you know, you know, you know, and, uh, you know, it was it was pretty cool. Uh, How how old were you when when you made this trip? This was I was 17 at the Uh time. Yeah. Okay. So Mrs. Obama looked at me. She walked up to me and she said, so you're the one that's been keeping my husband busy this morning. And I was like, I I guess I guess. (laughs) And I I cannot tell you anything she said to me after that. Right. Her perfume filled my nose. <laughs> I I just I, I don't know. I couldn't tell you. I don't know what I don't know what she was saying. Right. But in the middle of her talking to me, I looked at her and I said, Mrs. Obama. She said, Yes. I said, Can I just have a hug? Calling all lovers of mystery. Prepare to don your detective hat in June's Journey, a free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. Take a trip in time to the glitzy 20s and play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. The thrill is endless with new chapters added weekly, allowing you to not only enjoy the detective adventure, but also to personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. So I'm hugging her. I'm hugging her. And I'm hugging her. 
right? And then, then <laughs> you, yeah, you so, went in for the real thing, man. I, you know, it was it, I hadn't washed those clothes yet, man. And, no, but uh, but uh, it was it was just an honor to be uh, in the Oval Office and a part of um, that historic moment for right. for the city that I live in and for myself. Right. No. No kidding. And yeah. on the same trip, you go to Congress. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got to speak before a joint session of Congress. Uh, was was the first person from my city to to have such a such responsibility. So, yeah. if there's anyone that is on the right track, yeah. If there's anyone that is set up for success, that wants to do the right thing and enter law enforcement, it's you. I'd like to think so. <laughs> right. Which made like what happened to you all the more tragic. Right. Right. You were going to school with gang members and drug dealers. Absolutely. Although, yes, offered drugs, offered to hold guns, offered, you know, offered to do all those things. And, you know, I I just never, never succumbed to the pressure of, of, of doing those things. And you I, weren't scared for your life if you didn't? No, uh the way that I explained it and or expressed it is just like, no, you know, no, man, I'm good, you know, or, or I got something else to do, or, or I would come up with a, with a quick excuse. And, you know, once you carry yourself a certain way for a period of time, I think people realize that, you know, you're not about that, that life, you're not about mm -hmm. that lifestyle. So that kind of helped me out a whole lot. Were there plenty of other people that were so the pressure was less on you. It wasn't like you or no one. Absolutely. There were other people. Absolutely. And a lot of my friends that, gr that growing up, you know, are, are dead or in prison or still out there living that life in which we grew up in. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So. And you had a pretty good exposure to law enforcement when you were in like middle school? Absolutely. Uh, the chief of police at the time came to a community event that I was a part of and he came, a uniform was, was pressed. He had his uh, his dress blues on, his Class A uniform on, as some departments called it. Uh, he had all his ribbons on his chest, and I, I walked up to him and I and I asked him um, what each ribbon meant. And he he broke down what each ribbon meant. He really took the time out and just uh, just spoke with me and talk and and talked with me about about law enforcement. And that day and at that moment, I realized that hey. What they say about these guys isn't so bad. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So that was kind of my turning point. And he was a he was a white chief of police. Yeah, yeah, he was a he was a white coming chief. into a primarily African American school. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Mm -hmm. And uh, he came and very nice guy. It was it was pretty cool to, for him to come in and talk with me and take the time out to answer all of my a thousand questions uh -huh, that uh -huh. I that I had re just regarding his uniform. Right, right. Yeah, so, so you graduate high school. Graduate high school. And the next step is college. Okay. Went away to college. First person in my family to ever go to college. First person in my family to ever graduate college. Uh, so it was a big deal. After I graduated college, I um, uh, applied for the police department. Mm -hmm. And uh, was your your police department, my, your hometown that, police that's department. That's right. That's right. right. Was well, subsequently hired after the background check. Right. Um, and at the time, how many? black officers were on this police uh, I would say about 20 uh, 20 out of the 350 not that many not that many no. okay no. 
So, are you facing any uh, opposition because you're uh, going to be a black officer? Uh, you know, yeah. Uh, you know, people hear that you are going to be a police officer, and it's like, why are you going to do that? Why do you want to be a snitch? Why do you want to go that route? There's plenty of other good jobs out there. Well, this is what I wanted to do. I wanted to come back, serve my community, and I wanted to be like that chief of police. I wanted to be the person that that young kid can go to and talk to about the uniform, about the the perks of the job mm-hmm. and not necessarily the evil because right that wasn't the time for that but right. uh, but that was uh but i did uh, receive some feedback uh negative feedback at the time you're a rookie you go back to your neighborhood where yeah. you grow up in a- uniform absolutely yeah so i uh, which again i don't think that was the police department saying go back into this neighborhood and, and but i think it was just the manpower at the time hey we need bodies over here you're, you're assigned to this area mm-hmm. so so i i get assigned to uh the area in which i which i grew up mm-hmm. and how and how was that how were you treated by the community when they saw you it was rough initially because i was i was putting a lot of people in jail i was uh i was putting a lot of dope boys dope dealers in jail the folks that i grew up with right. um and they're like hey man i know you yeah yeah so you so yeah you you i pull them over you lie to me about your name and i i, I grew up with you right and so right. i know your real name or um you know a robbery happened and they say Boo Boo did it, you know, or or Darian or whatever. Right. Did the nickname um, did it? I know who that is, so I know exactly who that is. I know where he stayed. I know where his mama stayed. I know where his grandma stayed. Mm-hmm. So I would go and pick them up. Uh, and so the community, uh, some people in the community were not too happy about that. In fact, uh, I was even complained on uh, by right. uh, a local NAACP chapter, that, and they told me that I was putting too many African Americans in jail in that neighborhood. What did they want you to do? Well, they thought I should be sent to a different side of town because of you know because I I it was unfair because I knew the people. It was unfair. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So we want to send you to another part of town where you don't know anyone, right? And you won't be as nearly effective, right? As and effective. I, I assure them that even if I was on that side of town, I was just a hard worker. I would be right. putting the same amount of people in jail, and so uh, that got squashed. Uh, the, the the police department didn't uh, succumb to the pressure of mm-hmm. that local chapter to uh, uh, to have me removed out of that particular area in which I was working, right? Were you in a car alone? Were you in a car with another officer? No, we we were in cars by ourselves. Wow. Yeah. As a rookie. As a rookie. Yeah. Once you've done with your your field training program, you're 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 assigned a vehicle and you are uh, off you go. Okay. Yeah. And then one day all that changed. One day all that changed. Yeah. So um, I was working in overtime detail uh, one night, and I conducted a traffic stop on a vehicle for doing an improper turn. Mm-hmm. Pull the car over. Uh, once I pulled that vehicle over, I approached, I asked for his license, his registration, and his proof of insurance. And uh, he handed me a prison ID. Once he handed me the prison ID, I said, do you have a license? He replied, no. So um, at that time, I asked for an assist unit. Once the assist unit came, I asked the occupant. It was a single occupant vehicle. 
uh, and I asked him to step out of the vehicle. Mm-hmm. He stepped out of the vehicle. I mean, this guy was massive. I'm talking six four, three hundred pounds. I mean, he kept coming out of the car. I said, Jesus. What was his ethnicity? Yeah, yeah, he was a he was a black guy. Uh-huh. Yeah, he was a black guy. I uh, started patting him down for weapons. Uh, patted him down for weapons uh, for my safety. I uh, was going to perform a wingspan search of the vehicle. So, what is a wingspan? Search? Anywhere the arms can reach. Okay. I open up the middle console, and it was the biggest bag of cocaine that I've ever seen. Um, at the time, you got to understand, I'm just a year on the street. So if it wasn't weed here or, uh, or uh, you know, a little meth or a little fentanyl, this is before fentanyl even got big, but mm-hmm. this is back in 2011. Mm-hmm. And uh, so this is, it ended up being 86 grams of cocaine, which is about three ounces. Uh, so uh, And in, tra- in the world of trafficking, is that oh, a yeah, trafficking? Three alarm? times. Three times. Three times over the legal limit in the state. Okay. I put one handcuff on him, and this guy's so big, I have to put not two, but three pair of handcuffs together. I mean, he is stocky. Oh, my God. Okay? All right. So... And you have a backup unit. I have a backup unit there. He's placed in handcuffs. I wasn't a narcotics agent or anything like that, Mm -hmm. but with something that massive, you want to notify some kind of narcotics agents to let them know what you got. Right. So... He goes off to jail. The next morning, I'm working shift again. And uh, before shift, a friend of mine walked up to me. And he said, hey, I heard you got a good lick last night. I said, yeah, man, I did. 86 grams of cocaine, most I've ever gotten. Mm -hmm. Oh, man, that's a good lick. That's a good lick, is what he told me. I was like, yeah, yeah. Man, I was like, it was crazy. He said, well, what if I told you that I can get get you 15 grand if you say that search was illegal. I said, what? I'm thinking he's joking. Right. You know, and uh, I've been, I mean, I've been to drinks. I've been had drinks with this guy, right. hung out with this guy. He's an African-American police officer. He took me under his wing, you know, uh, you know, while we were there. This is a guy you respected. Yeah, I respected him. He's, mm-hmm. he's a, you know, he's, he's been on in the department longer than I've been alive. Right. I go, oh man, stop playing. I laughed it off. Right. Laughed it off. And, uh, he said, uh, he let it go. That day, he let it go. Uh-huh. You know. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Got your happy price, price line. The next day, he said, hey, man, you thought about it? I mean, you're, you're new, so all you got to do is say that your search was illegal and you, uh, you're good. And they, they, they won't do anything to you. You're still learning. Just say your search was illegal and you get 15 racks is the word you use. 15 uh-huh. racks. I said, man, are you serious? I said, chill out. Like, stop. Then he got aggressive with it. 
He got very. Did you feel like he was serious, or was he testing you? When what? I what did you? A, I thought it was a joke. Uh-huh. I mean, you know, you know who 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 would who would who would in their right mind think that that was right? That's right. not why I signed up for this job. Right. You know, uh, but who in their right right mind would think that somebody that you hung out with that that you know that you that you looked up to at the time would even come with you with such an egregious mm-hmm. proposition? So the next day, same thing. Hey, man. You need to do this. You need to do this. I'm telling you, I'm going to get you some money. So I uh, I went to the a supervisor. But let me ask you, before you go to a supervisor, are you now at this point flipped out? I'm just like, he can't be serious, you know? And I'm, right. and I'm like, and I'm, ups- I'm, I'm getting upset, but now I realize he is serious right. at this point, at this point in time. I realize he's very serious. I realize that that he is, and it's getting worse. He's getting aggressive, ag- more aggressive, mm-hmm. and more aggressive. And you know, at first it was a smile when he was asking. Right. Then when it was kind of concerning when he was asking. Right. And then now he's angry when he's asking right. because he see you know come to find out he's he's getting p- pressure from the dope dealer. Right. Right. To Got make it. this go right. away. I mean, you must realize if you go to a supervisor, isn't that one of the worst things you can do is to go up the chain of command and not handle things on your level? I mean, this is a huge yeah. decision for you, right? It, it is. It is. And, you know, it's a it's a huge decision for me. Um, and the last thing you want to be is a, is like a, a, a snitch, if you will. Uh, you know, and, and normally that's how you handle things in, in, a, in a police department. You right. pull that guy to the side and say, hey, chill the chill out right you know you pull that you see him doing something on a call that he ain't supposed to do hey chill out this was more than a an extra uh you know cussing someone out or this was this was the and the ultimate thing right now let me ask you this before you go do you think about the fact that you would be going to a white supervisor to bring uh, a, a something like this against another black officer and there's so few of you is that play into it at this moment it was to the point and that's what and that's what I want you and and the people that are listening to realize that's how aggressive it had gotten mm-hmm. to the point to where he, uh, he was showing up on my calls and asking to the point to where he was mean when you meaning if, if showing I, up your calls. If I was dispatched to a call uh-huh. and and he wasn't even dispatched to a call, he would show up on my call uh-huh. just to j- while I'm you know just to ask me, hey, you thought about it yet? Hey, uh-huh. you thought about it yet? Uh-huh. You know, uh, if I was uh, eating lunch at a restaurant, you know, on my on my meal break, right. and he would show up at that restaurant. Hey, man, what's up? You know, right. to the point to where. You know, it was almost stockish, right? Uh, if you will. But do uh, you feel like at that point you had said absolutely, positively no? Absolutely. Or you feel like you, oh, a hundred percent, right? A hundred percent, a hundred percent. But so but he didn't care. He's he, like, he, one way or another, he, you're going to take this care. money. He didn't care. He he's and uh, he said, I'll even start a rumor that you did a bad search. I'll start the rumor, mm-hmm. and you'll you'll be fine. You'll be fine in a couple of years. Right. And do you think at this point it is just one cop and one drug dealer? Yes. Uh-huh. Yes. Okay. Yes. I do. So you go to your supervisor. Go, I go to a supervisor, yes. And I say, hey, this may sound crazy, but this is what's happening. Mm-hmm. And I explain what's happening. What happened? He said, hmm. 
He goes, well, if that's the case, we're going to play it out. We're going to see where this goes. So, um, and how did you feel about that? Like, wait a second, you're, you're now yeah. in the middle of it. Right. Like, I just wanted to report this, and um, now I'm part of what, what? I had a quick decision to make, Chris, at that time. I had a, to, within seconds, it was either I was going to do this or I wasn't going to do it. Right. And uh, I said, let's do it. Right. So. And did you trust the supervisor? I did. You did? I did. I did. Okay. So uh, that happened. Um, I met up with him. I, I hit him up. I met up with him. I said, hey, man, I ain't comfortable with this, but I'm, I, all right, I'll do it. Okay. I'll do it. And he says, okay, okay. Um, he says, but everybody, I want you to know everybody's doing this. I said, well, what do you mean? He said, this is how we do it. I'll pull over a car or a dope dealer. He says, now that you're on the team, we're going to take his money. You pull up. I'm going to hand it to you. We'll, we'll split it later on. We'll split it at the meat spot later. Mm-hmm. I said, okay. And he started naming names. This person does it. This person does it. This person does it. It's normal. Right. It's normal. I'm like, oh, my goodness. What did I just get myself into? Right. All I did was being was be a proactive police officer. Right. And now you're telling me that uh, I have just uncovered a massive, massive problem within our right. department. I mean, it's a secret. It's a gang. It's I mean, a secret gang yeah, it's exactly inside it the police department. Yeah, absolutely. And you yeah. can say you've yeah. now, you now know the names yeah. when he told you. So what is the common denominator besides being in the police department? Right. Everybody was black. That was a common denominator. Mm-hmm. Everybody was black. And how did that hit you? Uh, it was shocking. It was shocking because the, the some of the names that he had mentioned, right? It was like, no, nah, I don't, no, nah, there's no way, there's no way, there's there's no way that these folks that hear name that he's naming is a part of this horrible, horrible group. Mm-hmm. So we get the FBI involved. How do you get to the FBI? The supervisor tells the supervisor, the captain. No, no, no. We keep we keep everybody out of it. We keep everybody out of it. Supervisor goes straight to the FBI. So there's no internal affairs that you go to? Uh, internal affairs was notified. Only one of them, the supervisor of internal affairs was notified. Uh-huh. And it was given the blessings to run with it. Okay. So you go to the FBI. We go to the FBI. We meet with the, with the FBI. They said that, hey, we're going to set up control buys. We're going to set up, we're going to bring in an, an undercover uh, FBI agent who's going to portray to be a dr- dr- drug dealer. Mm-hmm. We're going to have, he's going to do something outrageous in front of this police officer, and we're going to have him stop, and we're going to set, we're going to basically, we're going to set up the robbery. I was like, okay, all right. I mean, you're in, you're in deep. I am in deep. Are you married over, at this point? I'm not married at this point. Okay. You have really jumping off the jump off the high dive uh, yes more i've bitten off more than i was scared uh-huh. uh I, I i mean i am a 21 year old brand new fresh out of college police officer who just wanted to do the right thing right and now this has happened right so um we started doing this right are you also meeting with a 
a DA or an AUSA at this point? No, no. Right, right okay. now we are just rolling what what we have, okay. and maybe they did, but I, I wasn't a part uh -huh. of that conversation. Okay. So then the chief of police uh, uh, briefed his command staff about the incident. Okay, so now words about to spread. Words about that, to I spread. I mean, how could they not? How could they think that this would not spread? Yes. And you won't believe who was on a part of that that uh Wait the, a minute. the command staff right wait a second the chief of police is about to tell everybody he, what's going he's on he's briefing his he's briefing his command staff and on the command staff in the room is the police officer who i was working with his best friend who's a high captain at the time okay white or black he's black okay so the chief briefs his command staff well the captain tells my guy, uh, when I say my guy, the police officer right. whom I was working with, and, um, and rumors spread very quickly throughout the department. Right. So we got two things going on right now. You have the FBI trying to do all this undercover UC stuff, uh -huh. and then you have the police department that has just caught fire, basically. Uh-huh. So we could never get the the UC piece going because of all the, the undercover piece. Because they got, yeah, the undercover piece because of all the other rumor rumor mm. mills going on within the department. Right. So we would meet every Tuesday. Me, I was a part of this group now, so we would meet on Tuesdays. Even though the rumor had started about you, they still kept you in the group. Still kept in the group. Okay. I told them I was no snitch. They believed me. Mm -hmm. It was like if I was a snitch, why would I even be interacting with right, you all right now? Right, right. To plan out. To plan out, oh. to to talk. Once our Tuesday's meetings would be over with, uh, I'll never forget. It was a Wednesday uh, before roll call. He walked up to me. He said, I heard you were a snitch. And I said, what did you say to me? And he said, I heard you were a snitch. I said, uh, man. No, 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 no. I'm not a snitch. I don't know what you're talking about. So the police department got concerned for my safety, and they pulled me off the street. Because I didn't know if I could trust police at the time. I didn't mm -hmm. know if I could trust. I know I couldn't trust folks on the street at the time. Mm -hmm. But how do I know this guy has my back on a call, or, or is he going to shoot me in the back of the head? Right. Because his, his freedom and livelihood is at jeopardy. Mm -hmm. So I was pulled off the street, and... Uh, and I, I was assigned to a different uh, area within the department to ensure that, you know, I was okay. Right. I was not allowed to work any overtime. I was not allowed to work any comp time. I was not allowed to do work any side gigs, part-time jobs, or anything like that. I was 8 to 4, work, go home. Mm -hmm. And uh, I get a call, and uh, I was told to that my um that although everything had transpired he was ready to give me my money to because i i went through with it right i i was like hey or i went through with it if mm -hmm. you know what i mean like i i told him that i went to the da's office and told them that my search was illegal i had a confession to make my search was illegal which right. i truly did not right but my search was illegal that 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 charge would not stick mm -hmm. 
So I kept asking for my money. I was like, where's my money? Where's my money? Now, this time I'm with, uh, I'm working as a, basically a CI, a confidential informant with the FBI, right? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so I'm like, where's my money? Where's my money? He's like, oh, it's coming. It's coming. It's coming. I was like, where's my money? Where's my money? He said, it's coming. It's coming. So we meet at a location one night and he hands me only a thousand dollars, only a thousand dollars. And I goes, where's the rest of my money? He goes, oh, that's all he gave me this time. You'll get the rest a little later. I was like, what? I went off about my reputation, how I, what I was promised, and, and now you're telling me that, that all I'm getting is $1,000. I mean, you promised me fifteen grand. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And um, he says, I'm going to get you your money. I'm going to get you your money. He said, don't worry about it. He said, it's going to be handled. You're going to get your money. I said, okay, all right, because I, I, I'd like my money. I did all this. Well, again, this is obviously recorded and, and everything. Well, no, I didn't say obviously. Yeah. So oh. you were wired up. I was wired up. Right. Yes. We hadn't said that. Okay. I yeah. was wired up throughout this, this process. Right. And we don't have to reveal how, yeah. but you told me, and I thought it was pretty ingenious. Yes. It's not the old Sopranos, uh, you know, pat you down, find a wire kind of a thing. That is correct. Uh, I thought this was, this was pretty high tech. Yes. And probably very little chance of getting caught if somebody patted you down. Oh, 100%. Right. There's no way. Right. Yeah, absolutely. So we... Um, so well done, FBI. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we won't expose how, right? So we um, we did that. Um, we um, I get my $1,000. But, but at this time, at the same time, the rumor mill... Is just getting crazy, right? Right. The rumor mill is getting, I mean, getting crazy. He keeps, he keeps coming back. Man, are you sure you didn't say anything to anybody? Are you sure you didn't say anything to anybody? I'm like, man, I, I, I um, I, I promise I didn't say anything. Right. So um, we met at a Walmart one night. He says, hey, listen, they're calling me to Internal Affairs. I think this is, uh, it's gonna be about these rumors that are going around. He said, this is our story. Again, I'm wired up. Right. We're going to tell them that what you did was wrong. You know, you, you, and he said, you stick to the story. Stick to the story. Right. All right, I got it. Stick to the story. Got it. He uh, he goes to IA the next day. I, I hit him up. Hey, man, how'd it go? Oh, man, it's good. Everything. Just make sure you stick to the story. Everything's cool. All right, awesome. Well, that night, uh, I'm getting ready to go home. He sees me at the precinct. He says, hey, meet me at this park up the street. Well, I'm calling the team. Nobody's picking up the phone. I'm which, call- which team? I'm calling the, the, the guys with the FBI. Mm-hmm. I'm calling the sergeant. Mm-hmm. In, and, and I'm like, hey, nobody's picking up the phone. Nobody's picking up the phone, but I got to meet this guy. We go to the park. I'm by myself. And he gets out of the car. He's, he's mad. He's mad. He goes, you, you effing liar. You, you snitched on me. Uh, you know, I was only looking out for you. I told you I would get you the rest of your money. I go, I go, what are you talking about? He starts walking towards me. I draw my, I draw my pistol. Now that's, you draw your pistol. I draw my pistol and I point it at another police officer. So you, are you in uniform? I am in uniform. Is he in uniform? He's in uniform. Okay. So this is something that if you saw it on television, you, you would say saw that would never, that ever we, happen. We are at a park at night, and I said, I will effing kill you if you come any closer. I told you that I am. I did not say anything. If you come any closer, I will kill you. 
if you touch your gun, I will kill you right now. So it is clearly safe to say you were in fear of your life. I was, I was very much so in fear of my life. Uh, he gets in his car, his car, he speeds off. I called the, F the FBI, called me back. I said, I'm done. He goes, what do you mean? I said, I am done. If you don't have enough evidence, you won't have enough. I'm done. I just almost shot a police officer in his uniform. And I said, I said, you have enough on him. I know we can't get the others, but I am done. Mm -hmm. And he says, I can go and arrest him right now, or can it wait until the morning? I said, it can wait until in the morning. I said, but as far as I'm concerned, I just almost shot a cop. And... Uh, he says, okay. The FBI brings him in, and he starts telling the FBI the story that he came up with mm -hmm. that I was supposed to stick with. Right. Well, uh, the FBI immediately told him that what he's telling them is not the truth, and they know that it's not the truth. And so he was arrested. I was sent off to a location uh, for my safety. Uh, my fiance at the time and myself, we were taken away so that uh, while the arrest was made and while the trial was going on, uh, just for our safety uh, at the time. Because and we can say several states away. We can say several states away. Right. Was it a house, an apartment? Yeah, it was, it was a house. It was a house. Did you have uh, security on you? Uh, was, did they feel like, look, we've put you in a pretty yeah. far away from it. So we don't feel like, yeah, they, they basically what they said. We, we, he's like, we're several States away. You, uh, you should, you, you're fine here that call this number if you need anything. Right. But, uh, we were several States away. So they provided you an apartment. Yeah. Some money. So, yeah. Money to eat. Kept and did you feel like you were safe or did you feel like, look, we're going to have to be looking over our shoulder. I felt safe. You did. I okay. felt I felt safe. I felt safe um, uh, because of the distance in which we were. He ends up taking a plea deal. Uh, we we go to court, uh, but he ends up taking a plea deal, which means what? Which means um, he gets he got char he got charged with bribery and uh, giving um, giving false statement to a federal agent or giving false information to a federal agent. Uh huh. So he was charged with those charges. I think he was sentenced to. His agreement was, I think, 36, 48 months in federal prison. Mm -hmm. uh, he testified against uh, the drug dealer. And turns out the drug dealer actually gave him, gave the police officer the 15 grand, and he used it on repairing his car, catching up on bills and, and things like that. And he never gave me... Mm -hmm. uh, the what was supposed to be my portion of the money. He's not trustworthy. Oh, shocker. Shocker. Right. Shocker. Okay. So yeah, um, I put a police officer in federal prison. So uh, we we're, we're told to come back after they thought it was safe for us to come back uh, after the trial and things of that sort. And uh, did you have to testify? I did have to testify. Mm -hmm. uh, um, so I started receiving death threats from random numbers, obviously spoof numbers. My fiance at the time uh, started receiving uh, death threats. Um, she had to be uh, escorted home by marked vehicles. I had to be escorted home. Uh, people, uh, members of our of the the SWAT team, had to sit outside of our house uh, because of these threats. 
I was pulled to the side by some black officers who basically told me, you know, you shouldn't have done this. Uh, you uh, you could have talked with him. You don't, They don't know that I, I did try right, and talk to him. Right. But, of course, uh, people now know that I've, because I've had to testify, people now know that I, I'm the one who, right. who put this black officer in prison. Right. I'm the one that, you know, and, and, I, and I, put I put the badge before uh, a black police officer. Well, that's what I'm going to ask you. Are you black or are you blue? I guess is the right. real question, right? right? Right, And that was asked of me. You shouldn't have done this. You always put black before blue. Mm -hmm. You know, my answer to that was you put right before wrong. Again, this was something that I right. tried to avoid. This literally turned the entire police department black versus uh, white. It split the department in half. You know, you had black officers raising money and supporting this black officer. And then you had me looking like the token black guy, if you will. Uh, because why, you had, why is that? You know, when black officers started raising money and so white officers, you know, like, hey, we should start raising money for, for him, for the, for the good guy. And so were those black officers his friends, personal friends? Probably, you know. Mm -hmm. um, was there spite there? Was there was there backbiting there? Was absolutely on both ends, I think. Right. And why were they raising money for you? For what? Um. So because of all this, I was uh, pulled off the street. I wasn't allowed to work any overtime. I wasn't. I wasn't allowed to work any extra duty jobs. And, and, and cops got... make a lot of money working overtime, right? Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. So it, it, you know, I'm, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna sit here and lie and say it wasn't hurtful when I heard about these officers who some I considered my friends that were raising money for for this guy. Mm -hmm. um, they weren't protesting and saying, "Look, he's innocent. He's wrongly convicted." They they right. knew. They knew. right. They knew. They didn't care. But I I, I I would be lying to you if I didn't tell you I needed the help at the time. Um, right. I have a special needs daughter that my uh, wife and I had just just uh, had at the time, and that the the therapies and and physical therapies and ABA therapies and all kind of therapies that we had to pay out of pocket uh, because insurance didn't cover at the time. There was just so much that was happening uh -huh. at the time where I, I I where if I were given the opportunity to work an extra duty job or to get a little overtime, I wouldn't have needed the help to make ends meet. But uh, I, I wasn't allowed to because of the safety, fear of my safety at the time. And when it was happening or even after, when you were looking back on it, how did that divide make you feel the fact that you were on the side you wouldn't necessarily have thought you would be on? It, it didn't make me feel good, you know, um, because again, you know, you had these officers who I've hung out with, who I, considered a friend who I've entered buildings with that, you know, or respond to crazy calls with, you know, who I, who I would lay my life down for. I feel like I caused such a division, you know, oftentimes I wonder, Chris, would I go through all this again? I was stressing out. Right. I was, you know, I was, my blood pressure was up. I was, I was looking over my shoulder you know, um, I was driving down the road once, and a, a car stopped and 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 opened their door, and I immediately get out and draw my weapon. 
you know, I'm off duty at the time, but I'm thinking, you know, here we go. You know, I'm, I'm paranoid at this right, point. Right. You know, um, and what I thought was doing the right thing, it turned into hell for me. Right. Hands down, probably the worst time of my life. Right. Because of all this. Right. How many people knew at this point the existence of the ring and the other officers that were supposedly involved? So the other officers was not exposed during trial or anything like that. They were not exposed to this day. Uh, they were not exposed. People right. people uh, uh, could take a hint. People realize the nature in which uh, those officers were conducting themselves. Uh, you know, you had some officers coming up to me, hey, man, you know, there's one time I was on a call and he's, you know, I just never thought to put two and two together. Or, you know, they would give different scenarios mm-hmm. and situations in which they were in. Some of those officers are still working for the police department. A lot of those officers are that were a part of that that whole little circle. Right. Uh, some of them are in positions of power. Um, some of them are the ones that are, you know, making the yeah. decisions for the department. Hence the reason that no one wanted to be on this podcast. Right. You called a couple of people for me and you joked that, hey, I gave him your number. He's yeah. going to call you. And they were like, are you out of your goddamn mind? Yeah. yeah. yeah because it's been over, you know, over 10 years now. And p- the department is just now starting to heal and, and get over it. Right. Right. And right. so nobody wanted to rehash that. Heck, I don't, I don't, and because you harassed me so much, I didn't want to, I didn't want to rehash this. Right. Uh, and didn't you also at one point have a motorcycle gang coming by your house? Yeah. So uh, there was uh, some motorcycle gangs coming by to the point to where they had some uh, uh, officers, uh, you know, sitting in my driveway and things like that, you know, just driving by, you know just so happened to be driving down my street, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, 15 plus motorcycles. And so how did it end? You know, kind of move forward. Um, so I, I ended up leaving that department. Right. Um, I found another job from what I understand that department is, uh, they've, they've kind of moved on from it. Without identifying it, I think we can say that you work in federal law enforcement. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm a, I'm a federal, I'm a fed now. So, um, which I got picked up mm-hmm. uh, by a federal agency. And some days I wonder, should I have kept going? But I don't think I would be here talking to you right now if I, if yeah. I were to keep going, kept going. Well, clearly, if you're pulling a gun on another uniform officer, that's that's the last resort. I'm assuming if you pulled your gun, you were prepared to use it if you had to. Yeah, yeah. And it's something that you don't want to do, especially a brother in blue. It was a crazy situation, a crazy time. Um, yeah, so, but okay. it, it it literally got to that point. Well, thank you very much. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> After my hounding, yes. uh, you know, the worst thing for you was when someone said, hey, go talk to him and hear his story. Yeah. And that was that yeah. was the worst day for you. The look in your eyes when I was telling it to you the first time. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, oh, we're doing this. Yeah. And you're like, uh, doing doing what? And probably not. <laughs> so thank you yeah. very much. I mean, obviously what you did was extraordinarily courageous. Yeah. Uh, certainly you. given the young age and you know, obviously you've ascended in now a, uh, 
federal law enforcement officer. And finally, word of mouth is the primary way people find out about new podcasts. So please tell your friends. It also wouldn't hurt if you gave us a five-star rating and a glowing review. It would be much appreciated. Stay safe, everyone. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of the values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live.